Hey, you are listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Got to take care of a few things before we jump into this week's episode. First, our ramping isometrics for BJJ program. It is a 12-week program all laid out for you. It's going to help you build strength and cardio in the fastest, safest, and most convenient way possible. This is how James and I have been training for the past year, and we love it. So we put this program together so you can just follow along, and we are certain you will see and feel the benefits that we do. It's only 15 bucks. Just go to GrumpyGuyBJJ.com, click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner, and you'll find it. Next, R3. Is this is our K2 D3 supplement. It is a combination combination of those two vitamins D3 and K2. These are two vitamins that James and I have been taking for a long time that really help us recover from hard training sessions. And for only 15 bucks with free shipping, you get a whole month supply. I was going to pull up some studies explaining the benefits of D3 and K2, but I'm not going to insult your intelligence and pretend to be a fucking scientist. I take it it helps me recover. That's it. So for 15 bucks, check it out. And last but certainly not least, we have partnered up with Dejitsu.com. They have a ton of awesome BJJ instructionals, and they have hooked us up with a discount code for our listeners. It's Grumpy10. So what you got to do is you go to Dejitsu.com, which is D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com. Find the instructionals you want, throw them in a shopping cart, in the little discount code box, you type in Grumpy10, which is just G-R-U-M-P-Y, and the number 10, one zero. That's it. No spaces. Boom. You get 10% off. You're up and running. They got a nice app you can download on your phone. That way you can take your instructions right to the gym with you, watch the technique, drill it. It's a pretty sweet setup. So once again, D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com, discount code Grumpy10, G-R-U-M-P-Y, one zero. Simple as that. To find all this stuff I just got done talking about, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com. Click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner. There, you'll subscribe to our newsletter for podcast updates. You'll find links for the Ramping ISOs program, the R3 Recovery Supplement, and then under the Programs and Products tab, you'll find a link to dejitsu.com. And let's be honest, if you guys can't figure out how to navigate a website by now, there's nothing I can do to help you. So quit fucking around. Check it out, train hard, and let's get into this week's episode. Three and boom. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> promises to be a We're starting interesting out sh- episode starting already. Starting out strong. That's Hi. right. Z's with us already. Uh huh. Hawk is here trying to turn off the backup mic already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And. Yeah, Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Here we go. Got Here another good go. day of jujitsu coming up. Yeah. Z, you got jujitsu today? Mm hmm. I got jujitsu. Rob's got jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And Z's got a Pokemon card he wants to tell us about. Okay, so its name is Charizard. It evolves from Charmeleon, which is its second stage. It has 150 hit points and it's a fire type. And its and its moves are. Roaring rest, resolve, I think. Yeah, roaring resolve. Once during your turn before your attack, you may put two damage counters on this Pokemon. If you do, search 
your deck for up to two fire energy cards and attach them to this Pokemon, then shuffle your deck. And then continuous blaze. Continuous blaze ball. It does 30 plus and and it says discard all energy discard all fire energy from this pokemon this this attack does 50 more 50 more damage for each card you discard in this way okay well, that's awesome mm-hmm. it's got a pretty cool picture uh-huh so and it says this Pokemon was created by Mewtwo to prove that copies can be even more powerful than their originals. Okay. <coughs> I'll, I'll get into that. Thanks, okay. dude. <laughs> Charizard. Charizard. We like Charizard. He's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And he comes from Charmeleon. He's pretty cute. Yeah. And Tremeleon comes from uh, Charmander. Charmander, which is cuter. He's even cuter. Charmander, Charmander. All right, man. Well, thanks for the Pokemon update. You're welcome. We'll uh, see you later. See you later. Thanks, dude. Love you, dude. Love you. Bye. (laughs) See you, man. All right. Okay. Pokemon update. There it is. He was up and ready to go with that this morning. He was, man. I don't know if he'd been thinking about that or what. <laughs> I came out of the bathroom and he was like, had his card and was doing the augmented reality picture with Charizard and he was all fired up on Charizard this morning. Heck yeah. So it's good. It's good to have something to be fired up on when you wake up. It's a lot of mornings when I don't. Yeah, that's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like unfired up, but you know. Yeah, it's nice to have something where you're like, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> waiting for that alarm to go off. So you, you're like, you sure it's not time to get up yet? It's like a totally different anticipation level usually. <laughs> As opposed where to it's like, way, are you like, sure are you it's sure time for that alarm? <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I was at this morning. Dude, I was fucking exhausted. Were you? Dude, yeah. I rolled hard yesterday, man. Put in a solid hour plus, you know, get hard rounds and... Then, uh, yeah, I came home and tried to watch Alien. Fucking fell asleep about halfway through. Told the girls I got to go to bed. <clears throat> and they followed me not too long after that to bed. But, uh, yeah, I didn't get to bed till almost midnight. So, hard night of rolling and almost up till midnight. And then, yeah, 7 o'clock is like, what the fuck, yeah. man? Actually, <laughs> midnight, dude. It's so late. I didn't even touch that. I, was, I think I was in bed by, like, 9.30. Phones. I'm sure I, I fell asleep fast too. Yeah, dude, I've been struggling just to like. I feel, I feel like I've been playing catch up lately. Like my body just feels like beat up. It's. Then I do my HRV score this morning was like 70, Ooh. 71. Wow. And I hadn't seen. I mean, my recovery score is not that bad. My recovery score was, I think, I may have been sixties. But yeah, HRV was down to seventy one. Mm. I, I was feeling a little rough this morning, and, and then I saw that. I was like, oh, okay, we're on to something. That explains uh-huh. it. Yeah, man. Body's just under stress. Something. Yeah. Ugh. Need some uh, meditation. You got to turn your herb around. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what's funny, though. It's like, uh, again, I'm saying things that I've never actually confirmed myself. So, whatever, though. <clears throat> I've heard that 
meditating can actually improve your heart rate variability, like breathing. So we talked about before, like what the fuck is meditating? Like there's a couple different things you can do when you're meditating. And one of the things is just fucking breathe, man. Just focus on your breathing. And it's one of those things that you take for granted, but I absolutely guarantee you that if you sat there and tried to focus on just your breathing for 10 minutes, that like you would find things that you could do better. Mm-hmm. There's, there's places you're not breathing into. There's, you know, something. And so it's just like anything else you train. Like if you're going to do mobility because you're tight in certain areas, you're going to do strength training because you're weak in certain areas. Like why would you not do breath training because your breathing is suboptimal in certain areas. And so, uh, but yeah, using meditation for uh, like just breath work um, has been shown to help raise the HRV. So improve that. I've threatened to focus on that on several occasions. Never follow through. Dude, 10 minutes a day would change your life, man. Never follow through. It's really weird. It's like this crazy thing. I got to figure out. It's just like everything else with you. Like once I figure out how to frame it and you see how it's hard, then... (laughs) Oh, it's difficult because I've tried, dude. I have tried... I mean, when I say try. Well, I know that. I like, just mean like you and you're like, if you're not like, if it's not physically hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the thing is, I know it's physically hard. That's why I don't do it. Uh-huh. Because I feel like my mind, it's, it's just because I got a weak ass mind and I fucking feel like I should be doing other things. Like I have tried to institute like a meditation practice on several occasions in my life. And it, I think the longest streak I've ever gone is like a month, maybe tops. That's like, pretty good. But that, that I might be being generous with that. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever made it that long. I've tried to reframe it in my head lately to talk myself into it, like just like a breathing practice, like you know some breath training. Yeah. Which it basically could be reframed as meditation. So I've tossed the idea around lately. I still haven't. Well, it's just like isometrics, man. Like tension is one thing. It's like breathing is one thing. The skill of applying breathing to a uh, movement is another. Mm-hmm. Like they're, you're not the same thing. And so like using movement based stuff to try to train your breathing, that makes about as much sense as using movement based stuff to try and train your tension skills. Right. It's like you can't, you have to train them themselves. And then, and again, you see why ancient warriors spend a lot of time fucking meditating and doing uh, isometrics. So, uh, anyways, in my mind, that's what they did, <laughs> right? Meditated and just fought. That's it. But uh, yeah, the it, it's it's interesting too. Like when you when I get into the breathing stuff, and you know, because you look at those, because uh, man, you can get real far in the fucking woo woo shit, right? Yeah. With the meditation stuff, and it's like we're trying to open our fucking chakras and our yeah. third eye. I can't. And all this I stuff. can't do that. But see, but again, it's like, okay, why, where did this shit come from, right? Why would they talk about this shit? I mean, it's not all, like, you know, what, what, what are they trying to describe, really? And what I've found through my own breathing practice and meditation stuff is that, like, there's kind of something to it. Because if, like, there's a, there's a breathing pattern. Like, you start in the belly, but then you want to start pulling from the diaphragm, and then your breath actually, you know, goes up from there. And if you're breathing well, like, that's... Like you can actually feel your breath go all the way up in your throat, all the way up in your sinuses, in your head. And that's like, and if you're not, if something's off, you can feel your breath get caught. Like it doesn't, it doesn't go all the way up into that third eye area, right? But then you look at these like, oh, the chakra 
thing on the thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's what they're feeling. Like, there literally is something. Like, if you're, you know, they're all like, oh, your chakras are closed off. You know, you're not breathing into your chakra. And it's like, you get turned off because you're, you're using these energy words. And it's like, it's fucking bullshit. No <laughs> one's ever measured a chakra. Shut the fuck up. But they're trying to use a, something to describe what is a legitimate feeling. Like when you're sitting there breathing, you can feel if your breathing is going up and down your spine, if it's going up and down properly and where it gets hung up and where, and then now if you want to start like putting like, oh, if it's getting caught in your heart area, that means that you're closed off to the world, you know, whatever. Let's, but dude, if, you're, if your breath can't get past your chest, that's a problem. Okay. If it's going to open up your heart space and make you a nicer person, <laughs> fuck, cool, bonus. But all I know is that when I'm rolling... Or you know, doing something cardio intensive. If I can't access all of my lungs efficiently, I suffer. And it, uh, yeah. So that's been, you know, my big takeaway. I've been at it for. I don't do it every day. <clears throat> I definitely do it at least a few times a week. And I'd say on like a good week, I'll probably get in like five days. And it. Uh, Man, yeah, it's it's funny, man. I look back on it and it's like anything else. It's like isometrics. It's really hard to explain to somebody like how much you get out of isometrics until you've had enough time with them to understand everything you can get out of it. And that's kind of like what I feel like with the meditation stuff because I look back at like you know where my breathing was compared to like where it is now, and then I can also see how it impacts like my cardio and my performance and uh yeah, I'm just, sometimes I'm sitting there like, dude, why is, I don't understand why everyone doesn't do this. This is such a cheap way to improve your cardio that, uh, why not? So, but it is you don't feel Because you don't feel like you're doing anything. Yeah, you're it is. Sitting. It's isometrics. It's fucking sitting. isometric breathing. Yeah, you're just sitting there. Yeah. Sitting there, your mind going crazy. Like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. But that's a good, because if you can't, like your, your ability to focus on the moment is a skill too. Mm-hmm. And so it, uh, it's good to practice that skill. It is, it is knowing that you're going to fail at it because it's hard, but, and that's where just having something to focus on. It's, I don't know. It's weird. Again, you focus on your breathing and try to focus on nothing and just kind of let thoughts flow. You can have like, uh, like guided meditation where like you're purposefully thinking about things, whether it's like, you know, things you want to be grateful for or like you know projections of what you want to achieve in the future or like even like mental rehearsal because again what's you know sports psychology showing that just visualization they call it visualization what the fuck's visualization it's meditation mm-hmm. you're sitting there quietly you know and you're thinking about something and it's just like you're and it's uh yeah so it all it all works but i think it's, again it's like isometrics where you have this jumbled mess of stuff and if you do it wrong, you can get nothing from it. And then you walk away thinking that the whole fucking thing is not worth anything. And I mean, that's been most people's experience with isometrics. And I think it's kind of what happens with meditation. Because like, dude, if you did it for almost a month pretty consistently and you didn't come away from it convinced, like, you something was off. You know what I mean? Like, you were trying to... I was trying too hard. Yeah, so yeah, sweet. yeah. You had this end goal in mind. I, I don't know, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, this is what meditation has to be, and I'm not achieving it, so therefore I'm failing. So therefore, I, you know, uh, what's the point? Or you know, something. Mm-hmm. I it just that's kind of the general thought process that people, myself included, go through with that. But uh, I know there's there's something to it. There's got to be like if you listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast, you know, he he interviews all these su- super successful people and all different 
aspects of life, financial yeah. people, athletes, authors, you name it, dude. Yeah. Like these ridiculously successful people. Almost every one of them meditates. Uh, yeah, it's um, almost eighty percent plus, man. At least, yeah. Almost every They're one of them meditates. Fuckers, yeah. Oh. And so there's, there's got to be something to it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I agree. I think there is something to it, and I I know there's something to it. It is. It's hard to get the practice going. It is. You just have to make the time. Yep. But uh, it's it's totally worth it. Like I said, if, if from nothing else, then just like a breathing standpoint, like. You can't tell me that your breathing is 100% optimized. So what are you doing to improve that? And you can't tell me that it's like rolling. Like that's not it, right? And so there has to be something. So there's a gap there. Um, As a member, uh, probably showed you, we didn't do this at the Steve Maxwell thing, but he had like this cardio workout, you know, quote unquote workout that uh, he did it. um, the one I went to before and it was you start out it's like you know it's a march you can either be marching in place or, or, or walking and you're doing like one you're timing your breath to your steps and so at first you start like one in one out one in one out one in one out and then you go two in two out two in two out and then three in three out mm-hmm. three in three out and you and so you keep going and the goal is to get to like 10 plus and and not and not not have your breathing change. Right? It's just like isometrics. When you get to that hundred percent, you shouldn't be like it should look just like the first one. And so, it, man, it is a fucking challenge, and it's a real eye opener for a lot of people. You get to about like seven or maybe eight, and all of a sudden, it's like, dude, you cannot access and control your breathing to the point where you can breathe in at, at eight, nine, ten plus, and. Uh, but that again, that's an example of like if you can't do that, like like personally, I, I would you know say if you're not able to get to at least eight or nine, like you shouldn't be doing fucking cardio workouts. Like you're putting the cart before the horse. Like what are you training? Your shitty breathing patterns. Like that's what you're training. That's, that's, what, that's you're what, training. what you're training. You're just reinforcing the shittiness. Yes, if you don't have some way to, to check and fix your breathing patterns, because cardio is not improving your breathing patterns. Like it, it does to a certain point, but not like, you know, the it's just like lifting weights improves your tension skills initially, because it just can't help. It's part of the package. But if you keep trying to improve your tension skills through lifting weights, you're gonna fucking run into problems. If you keep trying to improve your breathing skills through cardio, you're gonna run into fucking problems. So it's uh Having things like that, like the meditation, that kind of walking slash marching, uh, you know, workout, if you want to call it that, and then, you know, moving up the intensity ladder and again, at each level, it's just like everything else. If you haven't earned the right to move to that next level, you stay where you need to until you've earned that right. And, but everybody just goes right to fucking hit, right? It's like just right to that high intensity interval training. And meanwhile, you're watching them breathe and you're like, dude, you're you know, you're not breathing using your diaphragm at all. Like your lung capacity is shit. Like what, what are you doing here? And, uh, anyways, so that's why you need to do it, man. I know. I'm going to keep on you. It's going to be my mission. James's mission. <laughs> to convert Rob. To yeah, meditation. man. Yeah. It's fun. I, I, I guarantee you, like I absolutely guarantee you, if you do it, it's going to be one of those things. And in, in like six months, you're going to, you're gonna fucking be like, dude, I wish I'd done this sooner. You're like, yeah, you were right. So 
I don't. I, I will still want to admit you were right. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I won't admit that you had this conversation with me. Too bad it's being recorded. So right. We, ha- we have evidence of it. Sick. That's right. Maybe I'll like accidentally lose this episode. Yeah. If I'm ever gonna come to that point. Yeah, man. I I think like meditation is just like the journaling for or uh, you know keeping a, a journal for jujitsu. Like it's something that everybody's like, oh yeah, I know I should do it, but it, it, we've just kind of like made it so goddamn complicated and ruined it and like people have these expectations for what it's supposed to be and it's like you know what do we tell people like dude just the fucking point is just to keep a journal just chicken scratch some shit in there and that's you've already starting to get the benefits from it it's like the same thing with meditation like man just sit there and i like at at its most basic level just focus on your breathing like one through ten count your breaths and if you make it to ten congratulations i can't can't ever make it to ten and then start over yeah yeah, your mind starts trailing off at like three. Yeah, easy. Like and if you're count, honest about it, count. you're not like, oh, what do I think I was on? It's like yeah. if you get to that, it's like, nope, it's nope, one. It's one. Yep. Yeah, if you gotta guess where you're at, mm-hmm. you gotta start over. Dude, good luck making it to ten without letting that mind run off. It's hard. It's hard. It's real hard. And uh, yeah, but yeah, just sit there for like ten minutes practicing <clears throat> that. If you did nothing but that, just fucking that up left and right, you're already getting the benefits from it, and you'll. Yeah, it'll be surprised where you're at. I think the longest, like I said, maybe a month, but I remember when I was doing it, it was toward the tail end when I was working at Halliburton and I was losing my shit. Mm. <laughs> and I thought I was going to turn into a serial killer or quit that job, whatever came first. Yeah. And so I remember I was trying to institute it then because I was fucking losing my mind. Yeah. I think that may have kept me from losing my mind. I'm not sure. It may Possibly. have, man. It probably played a little bit of a role. <laughs> It, it, yeah, man, it's super powerful. I mean, that's why, again, you can call it fucking prayer or whatever, right? Like, there, there is a tradition throughout time of humans having quiet time with themselves in the universe. And there's a reason for it, man. It's not, you know, a coincidence that pretty much it, it's pretty universal throughout uh, cultures and time. So, you know, for a long time, you know, it just depends on what you're calling it, but the basic thing is the same. It's like quiet time with the universe, man. So we need it. We absolutely do need it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is a lot of times, like, again, I'm trying to get all like woo woo or whatever with it, but like, I truly do believe that the thing that separates us from knowing what to do a lot of times is just shutting the fuck up and like listening you know, like the universe will guide you, but you, you have to be able to hear it and you can't hear it if you're in your own head and you're talking to yourself and you're worried about shit and there's all, you know, the things that go on, like you can't, it's like all this fucking noise and someone, someone's over there and they got the answer for you and they're trying to tell you, you just can't hear them. And you just, if you could turn the fucking volume down enough to hear what something even if it's just a snippet like okay okay i got a better idea now and uh but yeah man i i truly believe that that is uh it's an important thing man because if you don't shut the fuck up and listen like you don't have the answers absolutely guarantee you like you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. a human being like i don't have the answers but i have access to something that does and so how do i tap into that and again, that's where that tradition of fucking quiet time with the universe has come in, I think. So hmm. it's paleo. 
something. <laughs> it's paleo, it's bro. Something. It's something. It's something. I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'd use the term paleo. Well, I'm just again, I'm trying to find find a way to make it. <laughs> You're trying to find the right sequence brain. of words yes. to let your mouth say them for oh, Rob to listen to. Paleo, him. okay, I see. I could get on board with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm paleo. <laughs> That's one of those things. Like people see themselves as like I'm paleo. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, oh, it's paleo. All right. Okay. I, Speaking of that, yes. I, mean, I was thinking about this the other day. So of course, I went and found some information to confirm my bias. I was thinking about plant-based diet and a lot of people do a plant-based diet because they don't want animals to suffer, which is admirable. I get that, man. Like right. I, I'm not a huge, like I don't like factory farming. You know, like, I don't want animals to suffer. I don't want any, I mean, I so like eating meat. You just said an important thing. There's a difference between animal suffering and factory farming. Animals uh, suffer on factory farms. Yes. But that doesn't mean that all animal oh. suffering is factory farms. Correct. And that's the, that's the equation that the vegetarian, like, plant-based people have managed to make in people's minds. Right. Exactly. It creates the confusion. It's a, so, of course, like I said, I went and found information yeah. to, con, you know, confirm my thought process. Yes. And so, let me see. I, want, I had the definition. What this, uh, the definition of being a vegan was. What is there? <laughs> I, because then it almost, like, you can completely argue it from their definition. Okay, here we go. This here is go. from the Vegan Society. Okay. The vegan, vegan code. Okay, this is the vegan code. Veganism is a way of living which seeks to exclude as far as is possible and practicable all forms of ex- exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing, or any other purpose. Okay, so you're trying to minimize suffering. You don't want animals to suffer. <laughs> cool, I get it, right? That's, that's basically what they're saying for anything. Exploitation so, is different than suffering. I mean, I, I will, like, I just want to, like, get technical Tommy for a second. Like it is. Right. I can exploit something without making it suffer. Uh, yeah, totally. I can exploit things without like, you know what I mean? Like suffering and exploiting are not the same thing. You can definitely, if you can definitely make people suffer while you're exploiting them. But, but any, okay, so, well, we're getting into the weeds here. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just funny. Their own definition is like, what the fuck? So like, basically you guys should walk around naked and not eat anything. Yes. Because that, that's basically what you're saying. There's, there's nothing that you can do, nothing that you can touch, nothing in this entire planet that doesn't take advantage of the exploitation of something. Yeah, see, that's where I was getting at. Because, the, you know, so then, okay, using that definition, like you could say the carnivore diet yes. is more vegan than the vegan diet. Because, right. here's my rationale. I found some numbers to support this. <laughs> Here, here's my rationale. So, I... Let's say uh, if I was strictly carnivore, like I'm only eating beef, I could survive all year on killing just two cows. Two cows, that's it. Yeah. And that's more than enough meat yep. for me all year. Yep. You know, at two, you know, the average cow you get like 400 pounds of meat from. Yep. You know, if a person eats, you know, know, yeah, if you know, two pound, man, you know, they only need like one or two. They yeah, go out two, once, twice a year, kill something, and they got two pounds. If you eat two pounds of meat a day, which yeah. you're not gonna, let's say pound and a half of meat a day, there's 365 days in a year. You're looking at one and a half cows would feed you for a whole year. Yeah, and so so you kill two cows, feeds one person. You got a milking cow if you want milk. You got some chickens for eggs. You're not killing those things. They're running around in your yard. You could go a whole year. With only killing one and a half, let's say two animals. Okay, so that's just based on, and like two pounds of meat a day, that's roughly like 3,000 calories in a day. 
So if you try to accomplish 3,000 calories a day in a plant-based diet, how much earth you have to take up, you know, farming. Yeah. And how many animals you kill in that process. Yeah. You're killing a lot more animals to eat 3,000 calories in a plant-based diet every day than you are just killing two cows. Yeah, I'm sure the biomass the and bio- the, the individual numbers aren't even like comparable. They're not even comparable. But even if you're just talking about like on a biomass level, right? it would fucking be freaking... Because all the ants, everything that lives in the ground... Yep. You know what I mean? Like if you, yeah, if you, and again, <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, so this is my, like, technically the carnivore diet is more vegan than the vegan diet. You are, ki- if you were to take it to that extreme, yeah. if you wanted to eat, say you wanted to eat 3000 calories a day, you are going to kill more things eating 3000. What exploits the least amount of things. You are going to exploit way more things eating 3000 calories on a vegan based diet than you are <laughs> on a carnivore diet. Is, Cause again, it's like, okay, you're exploiting animals. I mean, huh? Because it is, that's what, that's what makes it, like, they purposefully left off exploiting plants. You know what I mean? Because that, that's what makes vegans vegetarians, is that their, their, their creed there specifically talks about exploitation of animals, not exploitation of plants. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they can exploit plants to their fucking heart's content. Because you are exploiting a plant. But even to get the plant, you're exploiting animals. No, 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 I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. But that, that, and again, that's where, you know, we're trying to make that. But it's just funny because it's like, wait a minute. Like, you guys are just picking and choosing. And again, there's like, you know, there's just, there was an assumption that like, oh, plants aren't sentient and they can't feel. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, maybe there is a little bit more to like plant intelligence than we thought. And like, things change, right? Like, this whole idea of plants are dumb and, and unintelligent and can't feel anything and animals can so therefore they're different and it's like wait a minute no plants fucking seem to sense something like you know they're experiencing the world and uh so yeah it's it's just it's fucking stupid the whole thing is based on nonsense it is because yeah when you dig into it like you said if it's if it's about animal cruelty then you got to look at it from all sides yep. and not and just... And they, they, they just choose to willful ignorance. Yeah. You know, because just like I say, the amount of earth you have to till up and all the wildlife you disrupt to grow that many plants to feed people a plant-based diet, you yeah. are killing and exploiting and making a lot of animals suffer. Yeah. And to deny that, it just, you're just, you're just lying. You're lying yeah. to yourself. So, yep. I don't know. I just I had got thinking about it because we know a few people that are like plant based. Yeah. And so then I, I mean it, I get it. I, I I totally get it. From you know I I don't like to partake in you know factory farming and whatnot. Like it's it's disgusting. It really is. But you know you really start thinking about it. Like hey wait a second here let's pump the brakes. Yeah, man. Plant based shit is not. Like it's not morally superior. You're not. You're not. No. You're not killing less things or exploiting less. It's things. not going to be better for the planet. It's not better either. for the planet, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. You can tell yourself it is. Right. I mean, even the argument like, oh, so much of this shit that we're growing is for the the animals, anyways. And yep. It's like, okay, well, that's fine though. But it's like we're still like growing shit causes problems. Yep. So there's just too many of us. There's so many people. Yeah. And, and to feed us, to feed this many people, there's going to be, you're going to have to kill things. Yeah. To well, feed you've, and always had to. you've always had to. You always had to. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know if I buy the whole too many people argument. It's. I think there is. 
I think there's too many people. I just, I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean exactly? They, when I say it, I think we're, you get to the point to where if you extrapolate out where we're at and the, you know how much population has been growing steadily over the years and years and years, like if you keep going on this trend, like I don't think the Earth can sustain it. I really don't. If we well, keep yeah. on this path, that, yeah. that's what I mean. I mean, you know, and I brought a lot of timeline. Everyone's survival rate drops to zero. Yeah, exactly, bro. exactly. <laughs> I know it's kind of a flimsy argument, but there's a little bit of validity to it. Like, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't have it. Like, so, but there is. Like, there's just you know, there's overpopulation, overcrowding in places, and just again, like, I again, I'm not saying we should go kill people off or anything. You know, what I mean, I feel it's, like there's too many of us, maybe under the current systems. You, you I know, guess that, like, that could be a way to look at it. I just feel like if yeah if you look yeah the the way things currently are and how many people are trying to shove into the fucking system sometimes things can seem a little screwy but you get better systems yeah yeah. man it's like you know you live I mean one uh, if you live in like a really densely populated urban area man it can be really easy to start thinking like yeah there's too many of us motherfuckers but you live in Colorado like there's wide open fucking spaces like mm-hmm. we're not like you drive across texas i, I mean there's just it's this idea that uh we're fucking there's too many people and it's like overcrowded that's not accurate like what it is not is every not yeah the not, city model the model of the city where you're trying to attract all of these people into this one area like there's a lot there's too many people in one area in in different areas and you run into problems with that right but to say that like we're you know what i mean like if you took everybody i once heard and this could be totally wrong but like you could fit everybody in the united states in like the fucking state of texas if you spread us out like it's not a matter of uh of of of, you know density same thing Mm -hmm. with the whole fucking planet like you know yeah you have areas that are overpopulated but the planet as a whole is not overpopulated and the problem oh, okay. is the, the current system is about like well, how do we get as many people in one area as possible because we have to exploit them. Like how do you turn people into right? The old hunter gatherer societies it was like no one was trying to exploit anyone. You're just trying to fucking make it. You're trying to be a team to fucking survive. The whole exploitation thing is like well now I am trying to use your time and energy to get something that you normally like for me. And so, like, you know, you're going to do some work and I'm going to pay you something. And now if I can get, you know, 10 of you motherfuckers to do this, then I'm getting, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's, that, that was the change. It was like, how do we turn humans? We kind of talked about this last time. Like, who benefits from us not sleeping and having a fucking broken family unit? Like, why would humans want to act that way? Why would humans want to fucking move to a city? You know what I mean? Like, that's not, why would we want to do that? And it's like, well, because you've been told that you need to do these things because this is how the system exploits you. But the thing is, if you don't get exploited, you don't get paid. You know what I mean? Like then you're not part of the system and then you can't survive. So you kind of have to be part of the system. And, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I just, I think when people are talking about it, they're always just assuming that like this answer to our current problem is the only answer. And that, so therefore, you know what I mean? Like, well, maybe this isn't the answer. Like, maybe the system's fucking broke. I don't know what the answer is. But before we just keep on this path of, like, there's too many people, there's too many people. It's like, 
Maybe there's too many fucking people in New York. Maybe there's too many pe- fucking people in L.A. Like, how do we get away from this urban density thing that, like, you once had to do because everybody worked at the same fucking factory? And, like, that's just not the reality today. Like, you can work from anywhere. And so, like, I, I you know... Like, yeah, that model's slowly changing, huh? It is changing. It's because, yeah, you don't... Because a lot of people work from home or do different things. You don't have to necessarily go to a factory. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are moving away from the cities to get away. Like, oh, I don't have to be here to do this shit. Why do I want to deal with fucking an hour of traffic and all these people and just all the bullshit that comes with this? I'm going to go fucking move somewhere else. Don't move here, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of too many people, don't move here. Yeah, don't move here. Yeah, too many people already. Sometimes <laughs> we're overpopulated in the Grand Valley. Um, at least with poser mountain bikers in the spring and fall. So, but anyways. Anyways. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I, I I definitely think there's too many people in certain areas, but I don't buy the. As a whole. As a whole. Fair enough. I think it's an easy. It's kind of like you know. And maybe it is right, but the problem is, is like once you say this is a problem you start closing down the mind towards looking for other potential solutions because like, no, this is the problem. I've already defined it. It's kind of like when people say Kratom killed my kid, right? It's like, dude, okay, so once you've defined, like once someone's already says like, yes, Kratom killed your kid, then you're not gonna be looking for what actually fucking did it, you know what I mean? Like you've now closed down your mind to looking for other possibilities, so. That's why I just I think it's an easy argument that people throw out there sometimes to keep them from trying to be more intellectually robust in their view of things. Yeah, but saying that like this is the problem, it can be it can, it could close your mind off, but it also could get you going in the right direction of trying to find a solution. Right, 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 right. So it's got to be it all depends on. Yeah, if you just say this is the problem, you write it off and stop thinking about it. That's one thing. Yeah. But you say this is the problem. Okay, is there a solution? No, you know petri dish meat. You know might be the solution. Lab created meat. You know, <laughs> fucking. I think that will end up being the solution. Think so? I think so. I think they'll. I think they'll figure that out. I just, you know, man, I feel like we're again the system right now is broken. But the system that was like, you know, one of the things Chris Kresser kept talking about was like the different farming options. Like, you know, if you create, I forget what the term he used but like you can have an operation that actually has like a net positive carbon effect on the environment Mm -hmm. like it actually pulls more carbon out of the air than it is putting into the air and so like if done right like these things aren't unhealthy like they're, they're actually probably a little beneficial for uh for the environment so you know, again, like, okay, so we get, we are growing our meat in a Petri dish, so we're just not doing any farming or anything. Okay, so what happens to all the cows? Like, that's one of the things people don't realize is that, okay, they, they look at fat, like this shit and they're like, damn, dude, that sucks. But cows and chickens are some of the most fucking successful creatures on the planet. There's more of them than fucking almost anything else. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're looking at things from like a evolutionary, like pass my genes on, uh, survival of the fittest thing, them hitching their wagons to humans was the best thing they ever did. 
I think dogs probably have that figured out best. Oh, for sure. Dog, but, a dog's life is pretty dumb. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For most no. dogs. Nah, well, I mean, that's why I love dogs, yeah. man, because they were the first animals to say, you know what, I'm throwing my lot in with them. Yep. Dude, you don't even get that from cats and horses. They're the only animal that yep. is 100% said, you know what, I'm with those guys. I'm with those guys. Yep. yep. And uh, everybody else has been a little, eh, you know, we'll go over there and hang out with you guys, but not quite the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. knows what I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, man, I think that, uh, that's, you know, what, so if you take away the farming stuff, then, well, now all these cows and chickens are going to die because like cows and chickens are so goddamn successful as a species because they created a situation where it was in human beings interest to ensure that they lived in large numbers. So like, you know, you created a deal with the most successful uh, species on the planet to where they've got your back. They exploited us. Who exploited who, my friend? <laughs> who exploited who? It all depends on how you look at it. Right. You know, that was actually one of the themes uh, that Botany of Desire book. Um, they had wrote Food, Michael Poland. Michael Poland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Botany of Desire, yeah. really good one. Yeah. But he looked at yeah, four different plants, you know, the apple, uh, the tulip, um, like cannabis was one, and God, I forget, I think, I forget the other one, but it, looking at four plants, but like the basic idea was like, you know, who domesticated who here, right? Like we look at these plants and we think of them as like, oh, humans domesticated them, but it's like, but these plants develop characteristics that we found desirable and those characteristics encouraged us to like you know plant them and try and you know make sure they survived over other species so you know was that an evolutionary like tactic on their end to like to ensure their survival so like again same thing with the freaking farm animals it's like yeah like Taken to an extreme, yes, it sucks. But if you look at it from a big picture standpoint, pigs and chickens and cows, like, that was a stroke of genius on their part to get on human beings' good side, where we, we want you around in large numbers because now we're going out and we're fucking going to great ends to do that. And so if we just pull that, oh, no more. You know, we, we're just meat from a petri dish we're gonna that's actually not being nice to animals like those fuck they're gonna like if you don't eat it they're gonna end up going extinct yes man like cows and chickens and stuff and, and pigs I mean all, like yeah the amount of numbers it's not uh, something would have to happen to them yep and and then you would they, they would not be as successful as a species as they were so yeah it's, it's a it's a complicated multi-layered argument it is but there's ways to look at it where you're like wait a minute yeah who who is fucking doing who here? Who's exploiting who? Who's exploiting who here? Right. You're a fucking cow. Like, if, you, if you're in the right spot as a cow, you're like, God damn, dude. That cow's got it made. Dude, there's... So, the section of highway between, uh, like, on the south side of Telluride, like, to Norwood and Anarita, all the way up to yeah. Gateway to Grand Junction, like, Highway 141 or yep. 145, all through there. Yeah. It's all... I mean, there, it's not very populated at all. Right. I mean, you got a couple little towns I use in air quotes. You know, there, but there's a big gap between like Natarita and Gateway. There's literally like a 90 mile gap where there is not, no one lives. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. Just twisty, turny canyons and highway, and it's all open range. 
And so there's there's cattle farmers out there that just, I mean, in that, whatever it is, 90 miles, 60, 70 miles, the cows just roam. Yeah. All, that's, they just roam in that whole swath of land, earth, like farther than the eye can see in all directions. Yep. And you got to watch it as you're cruising around in there and you don't hit a cow because at nighttime it's dark and there'll just be a black cow in the middle of the road and <laughs> you come hauling ass around the corner. I've almost smoked a few of them. Those cows got it pretty good, man. They yeah. just they just cruise around, man. They got the river cuts through there. They cruise around and eat and drink and just hopefully don't get hit by a semi truck calling ass through there. But yeah, yeah, man. It's again, yeah. Some the cows are in the right situation. Yeah. They start to realize, like, oh wait a minute, like maybe they did. They're exploiting. Who's exploiting who? So. Yeah, so I delivered to one of the ranchers up there quite often, and he he's got a herd of cattle that roams that canyon. You know, he's telling me, don't hit my cattle. <laughs> I'm, like, okay. man, I'm oh, man, I was planning on it. I, I was going to try to hit your cattle. Yeah, well, you say so. <laughs> he's like, yeah. whenever, whenever I leave, he's like, don't hit my cattle. They're out there. Yeah. I mean, I run because they free range out in like the north fruited desert here. Yeah. And I mean, shit, dude. So I've come across them riding bikes, coming around a corner, and there's a fucking herd of cows. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's funny, man. You get up real close to a cow. Especially when there's no fence between you and them. It's a different thing. And you realize, like, that is a big-ass fucking creature. Huge creature, And And especially if there's several of them. If they Uh all decided at once, like, oh, they don't like me and they want to fucking... You know, and you just realize, like, god damn, it's human beings. We are... (laughs) We're so, so fragile. So fragile, man. As individuals, creatures, we are just... uh, Yeah, so fragile. We're so lucky that the other animals are scared of us because... They know what we can do in large numbers. Yeah, there's, there's times those cows, you'll come up on them in the middle of the road, and they'll just look at you. They like, don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck, dude. They'll just sit there and take their time. Like, yeah. I'm not even going to get out of the road right now. Nope. I'll honk the horn. Wait, You just got to wait. <laughs> wait, yeah. to, wait until they mosey on the side of the oh, road. Because they figured it out after yeah. a while. Like, oh, these humans ain't going to hurt me. Uh-huh. Nothing's going to hurt me. Yeah. I'm like, they're like snaky in his cage. It makes them foolish sometimes, but yeah. oh well. Yeah, so, factory farming, man. Who's exploiting who? Who's exploiting Think who? Think about that one for a bit. Exactly. Oh, man. I had some... I had an observation for you. I was watching TV the other night, which is always a problem. And uh, I realized there's a new prototypical couple in in the media, the, the new F and F. It used to be like the dude and the girl that were together. They were like fit and fabulous. And now... You've got fat and feminine. You've got some fat chick and a feminine dude. Like, that is now your new, like... Norm? Yeah, again, like, now you see it, like, you'll watch, you know, like, just commercials, show, you know what I mean? Like, because there's a stereotypical thing. Like, you know, cultures have a stereotypical definition of things in their society, right? And again, you, you look back into the, you know, 80s and 90s, and it's like... You know, if there was a couple on TV, like they kind of looked a they were fit way. and fabulous. Yeah. They looked good, right? Right. And and again, that was one of the things. Oh, all we ever see on TV are perfect people. They're not real. We want to see real people. And so again, that's a good uh, uh, sentiment. But you know, you see things starting to change and change. And and then, like I said, like now it's like, dude, the stereotypical couple portrayed on TV, like in the media, just kind of pop culture is you got a fat chick and a feminine dude. That's your new... <laughs> that's the new, new That's norm. the new F and F. What's Inst- the, instead of fit and fabulous, 
It's fat and feminine. Fat and feminine. You know. So, it's a little discouraging. It is, man. I'm really. I just. I get so tired of seeing guys portrayed on television as just these feminine, scrawny little feminine fucks. It's like, you know, it's just to try to make everybody feel safe and whatever. You know, toxic masculinity. But I'm just like, dude, these are not. This isn't men, right? And this is why. Or you see, like, I love the, the, the commercials. You got like these stereotypical again, things that. Uh, you got like this fucking older kind of, you know, feminine, not very in shape dude. Because another trend today is like men and, and women, like people having kids way later in life. So it's like nothing to see someone who's like 50, 60 years old with like a five, six, you know, or 10 year old kid. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not that unusual anymore. Like it used to be. You like, know. oh, they screwed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you know what that? I mean? Like, Oops. Yeah, you didn't typically see like a, you know, dude in his late 50s with a, ten with a teenager. Right. right. And, and uh, you know, I'm trying to do the math here. I may be one of those guys here. Because um, <laughs> you're saying that you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to be one of those guys. <laughs> so, but you know, that's not the problem though. The problem is that your typical older dude is even more unfit and feminine, right? And so you're like... You, you, and, and then you know, the, the teenager guy doesn't... Oops. Oh, oh, man. Didn't have it on Do Not Disturb. Sorry, I guess. all right, man. Someone's trying to call you toll-free. Toll-free call. Yeah. But, you know, you got, like, the guy and is, you know, trying to talk to his teenage kid or son or whatever. And, and the kid's like, I was like, but you, the kid, how's the kid supposed to fucking respect you? You know, look at you. You're an old man. Like, you, how are you fucking supposed to command respect from a virile, like, a teenage kid, like... In the fucking like, you know, and you're like some old fucking feminine fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell, man? Like, kid, like boys need men to show them how to be men. They don't need like safe. They don't need someone who makes everybody feel safe. And again, it's just it, it, I, I see this shit. I see these trends in society, and then you look around and you see how it like affects uh, people. And it's like you realize, like, man, this it's, it's not good. Like, people need role models that, and, and role models, I mean, we've talked about this before, like having a standard, right? Like, Navy SEALs make people feel bad about themselves. It's like, it's good. It's good. It's good. You should have it's just standards, yep. like, that make you try to achieve more than you normally would. And yes, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. And yes, it's going to make you, you know, feel inadequate at times. But, you need that. It like sheltering people from feeling inadequate is not the answer. It's uh, help giving them the tools to overcome that. I know. I see. Do I see that trend of bitch ass dudes? Bitch ass dudes. Bitch ass dudes, and it's normalized to be a bitch ass. Yeah, dude. normal. They, yeah, to be a fit, athletic, uh, and I guess for lack of a better word, a, a manly man. Yeah, is it's almost frowned upon a little bit. Yeah, and they, they, they can, want it to be. They want it to be. Yes. Yeah, then uh, I'm gonna, I'll fight that trend. Yeah. Right now, dude. I don't think it, yeah. Uh, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not conforming to that. No, no, no. And again, there's always a difference between like what the media portrays and what, what is really actually right. going on and, you know, and them trying to like, I think a lot of that is them trying to like socially engineer shit. <laughs> like they're trying to portray these images because this is what they want society to reflect. And, but it is, it, it still affects people, even though I don't feel like that actually reflects what most people feel and want. It still 
affects people and it still reflects what a lot of people do feel and want and yeah i just i don't know man I, I, it's being a man is uh i mean dude we we're talking about last episode like you know being a woman like if, being a mom is a great fucking thing you know dude being a man is a great fucking thing like it's it shouldn't be discouraged just because shit gets taken to extremes in some instances but like fucking be a man be a man be a good example to your fucking kids as a man. Show them what a man should do, how a man should act, how a man should treat people, how a man should treat his wife. You know what I mean? Like there's there's things that they need to see and you just trying to be all fucking safe in the middle of the road and all this shit is like not helpful for anyone. No. No, total line. See, this it, is the standard. Yeah, it may coddle some people's feelings, but at the detriment to what? You know, yeah, you may not be hurting someone's feelings or sensitivities, making them feel inferior, but you know, what is what is that result producing? Yeah, yeah. again, I think the problem is, it's uh, what do you do with that information, right? How do you reinforce it? And it's the self-image thing. Like, how are you using that information for the self-image? And so, a lot of times. You know, people don't know how to help create a positive self-image in someone when they fuck up, right? Like, if if you're not meeting a standard, then how do you use that as a way to, like, yeah, you're messing up, but, you know, what are you? Like, you know, we kind of talked about this uh, last time with that book, the Winning in Mind book, and you know, again, like, I really, I'm reading the his Parenting Champions one now, and it just you know, really get you understanding like how important this, this is, is like, you know, are you delivering the message that this is who you are? You're the fuck up. You're the person who does these things. Or are you delivering the message that like, look, you messed up, but you're the person who's looking for a solution to these things. And, you know, most people, uh, approach it. I know I've fucking certainly have for quite a while with like, you know, you're, you project on people that this is who you are. Right, you fucked up. You're the person who fucks up, and then that makes them feel bad. And there's no real way out of that. And so, again, I think like the problem is, is it's not standards. It's that people don't know how to use standards in a positive way, and so they see standards being used in a negative way, and they've experienced standards being used in a negative way, and so they think that well, the answer is get rid of the standards. Get rid of the standards. Blow them all up. Yes. Yes, the standards are the problem. And it's like, no, no that's standards not the are problem. problem. No. The problem is people who haven't been given the tools to help, I mean, basically like coach people. Like if you're a parent, you're a coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you interact with uh, people on any sort of like authority basis where you're giving them feedback or, uh, you know, anything like that, like you're, you're a coach on some level. You're helping coach them uh, with this. And so... But people don't, you're not taught how to coach. You're not taught how to talk to people and how to use uh, like positive reinforcement to help them understand the mistake that they made, but then also the solution that they need to be looking for and that, that that's who they are. They're, they're the person who looks for solutions, not the person who has a problem. And it's, it's, again, it seems subtle, but it's like, dude, when you go through your fucking, you know, you graduate high school and you've got this giant bag of fucking these are all my problems you know what i mean i just spent the last 18 years 
of everyone telling me, my parents telling me what my problems are, my teachers telling me what my problems are, my coaches telling me what my problems are, everyone's telling me, I got all this fucking bag of problems, I'm tired of having fucking problems. So you're just like, fuck, I don't want any more problems. So I'm not going to have these standards or whatever. But it makes sense, man. It definitely makes sense. Face ID. No. Oh, you're trying to fucking pay for something. Apparently my MasterCard. Yeah. I must have hit the right. I tried to silence my phone and that's what happened. So. Yeah. So standards, man, we need them. That's why I like uh make so good. Yeah. But the problem is people they've again, we kinda of get back to what you were just saying. They make people feel bad about themselves. Yeah. So they're like, Ooh, we can't do that. Yep. Nope. That's why jujitsu's so good because it's a it's a pretty I guess it can get muddy, but it is pretty clear in like what the standards are. Are you getting strangled or are you not? Yeah. Are you getting you know, better or you're not? Better or you're not. Yeah. You run into the same problems. Are you finding the solution to those problems, or you just keep repeating the same fucking errors? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, man. Teaching people how to deal with adversity and problem solve and things like those are those. That's what they should be teaching kids in school, and that's not what they're being taught. They're not being taught how to think. They're not being taught how to interact with other people in a positive way. It's like don't bully. Okay, well, if you tell people what you don't want them to do, guess like it's like don't think about a fucking white elephant, yeah. right? It's like all this, you know, talking about bullying and stuff. It just makes people think about bullying. It's like, well, what, what do you want people to do? How do you want them to interact with each other? So if you guys were focused more on like not the problem and, you know, it's it's like what is what is the real solution to the problem? And yeah, it's not just as, oh, you know, if we just make people more aware of bullying, it's like. Nah, man, there's more going on there. So, universal basic jujitsu for all. Yeah. It's, uh, it's for the kids class. I've been trying to think of, uh, um, again, just kind of going back to like these standards, like a code. And the good thing about it is that it helps you filter what you're doing, right? Because you can tie, tie it back. Like, okay, I'm doing this because it ties back to something in my code. And so, like, I was trying to think, like, okay, what do we, because reinforcing these simple things over and over with kids is the, is the key, right? Like having a fucking 10 point thing and just, or whatever. It's like, no, they need, they need to know what am I expecting? So I came up with uh, the three things you need to be successful at jujitsu. You can tell me what you, what you think. Right. So, I'm excited. I'm listening. All right. Number one, show up. It seems obvious, but if you don't show up, you can't get better at jujitsu. Okay. And again, it seems obvious, but if you don't plan to show up, especially for an adult, it doesn't always happen. Nope. If you don't put it on a schedule, if you don't think ahead of what problems you might run into, like if you don't proactively plan to show up. Shit happens, your day gets away from you, and next right. thing you know it's 10 o'clock at night. Exactly. And you're like, shit, where did the day go? So number one, show up. Number two, be a good teammate. You know, we've talked about this a million times. Like, if you don't have teammates to train with, you can't do jujitsu. Yep. So, being a good teammate includes, uh, you know, um, not distract, you know, paying attention, not being a distraction to everybody else. Uh, you know, for adults, things like, um, you know, being aware of your hygiene, clipping your nails, not going ape shit on people and hurting them. Uh, you know, there's just there's a lot of things that can kind of fall under be a good teammate. But again, instead of having to tell someone every individual little fucking thing, it's like, look, man, be a good teammate. And okay, if you're doing this, hey, is this being a good teammate? 
No? Okay, well, that's not what we do. So we're not going to do that. You, you know, it was like that's that's kind of what, what my idea was. Is like I need, need things to draw things back. And then like number three is do your best. So if you show up, you're a good teammate, and you do your best, you're going to get good at jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And pretty much everything that I ask the kids to do, I can tie back to one of those three, one of those three things. So, yeah. And, uh, but anyways, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, dude, this is like... You know, it's funny you bring that up because I, I was actually just listening to an interview with Mark Messier. I don't know. Yep, I know, you know Mark Messier. One of the best hockey players yep. of all time. Oh, know? yeah. That he was a part of the Edmonton Oilers back in the 80s. Pro- Gretzky was killing it. Arguably one of the best hockey teams ever assembled. Yep. All, you know, from all the people they had on that team. Um, if you're not a hockey nut, you won't know. I mean, being from Michigan, you're by default, you end up being a hockey fan at some point in your life. Right, Because <laughs> yeah. it's cold as shit. And yeah. You played hockey as a kid. Like, you don't grow up in Michigan without playing some hockey. And being a fan of it. But, but so, yeah, I came across this interview. I was like, oh, man, I hadn't thought about that guy in years. And, dude, he retired like 15 years ago. The yeah, guy's yeah. in his mid-50s now. Um, but he talked about that. They were they, they were asking, you know, um, some of the reasons why that uh, 1980s Edmonton Oilers team was so freaking good. And, uh, you know, he talked about some of those exact same things. You know, being a good teammate, setting examples in uh, – giving your 100%. Like, if you weren't... It was such a good culture. You know, they had Wayne Gretzky. And even Mark Messier, who's one of the best of all times. You know, you got Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, you know, Mark Messier, these some of these guys. But even those guys look at Wayne Gretzky. Like, Wayne oh, Gretzky yeah. was... It's funny the way Mark Messier worded it. He's Because he's, like, one of the second leading scorers of all time. Mark Messier is. He's right under Gretzky. Like, if anybody ever beats Gretzky, who knows? Uh, but he he labels himself as the first leading scorer of all time among mere mortals. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Gretzky. But uh, he said that culture they had on that team was like no one was more important than anybody else. We all recognized, we looked up to Gretzky even though he's the same age as us. Like he was our role model. But there was that, like, this is the team. These are the standards. This is what we expect. And if you're not giving 100%, if you're not trying your best, even if it's not up to par, if you're not trying your best, like, you're gone. Yeah. Like, we got to see you trying. We got to see you out there hustling. If you're out there being lazy and being a shitty teammate, you're not going to survive in this, you know, room of killers. Yeah. And it's, it's really the same thing. He talked about the same, yeah, kind, of, kind of the same athletic commandments. Yep. Yeah. You see, I mean, pretty much you can apply that to anything in life. Yep. But, I mean, you, the more I thought about it, it was kind of like my uh, jujitsu move equation of like position plus reaction equals techniques <clears throat> choice. You know, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, man, that's fucking, like, there's so much there. I mean, that's, that's life. That's, uh, you know, jujitsu, all of it. But yeah, man, show up, be a good teammate. And that's the thing that I think that, like, and that's why I put be a good teammate in front of do your best. Because I think that, you know, you could argue which one's more important, but I think in today's society, especially, the be a good teammate is the most important one. Because... We're raising a fucking culture of self-centered kids. And like having something like jujitsu that really forces you to learn how to be a good teammate, how to think about other people other than just yourself. You can't be self-centered in jujitsu. It just won't work long term. And it's like that I think that's such an important lesson for kids. 
to get these days that you know you're not the most important person in this room. Look that way and that way. Those people are because if they're not here, you're not here. You're not me. fucking yeah. You can't. What what you're gonna you can't you can't do anything. So take care of those people. And man, if you think about it, like that's just that's like life, man. Like you know you are not the most important person in your life. And if you don't take care of the people that are around you and help support you, then it can, yeah, it's, life's a lot easier when you got teammates. It is. <laughs> right? It's hard. You can't go through life by yourself. It's hard. As much hard. as you like to think you can. Yeah. You need some We're teammates. We're not meant to. You need some teammates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I kind of, I don't want to like overcomplicate number three, but really like I want to add on, do your best and acknowledge that you did your best. Mm-hmm. So again, like giving credit to yourself. We, again, like talking about last week, like when most people come away from a training session, the tendency is to focus on what they did wrong, you know, why they suck, whatever, rather than focusing on what did you do well? Like what were the successes that you had? Because that's you. You're not the person who fucking failed. You're the person who had those <clears throat> successes. So like do your best and then acknowledge that you gave your best. Don't downplay it. Don't you know, like, don't, yeah, acknowledge it, man, embrace it, so, it's such a fine line between, you know, you don't want to be all proud, and, you know, cocky, like, that, that's not what having a good self-image is, it's, it's, it's not talking, uh, it's not necessarily, like, building yourself up as much as not, not tearing yourself tearing down, yourself down. Yeah. yeah, that's more what it is, yeah. Yeah, I think that varies though, depending on the person too. You know, because yeah, we're all wired a little bit different, so some people have to approach that different ways than others. I mean, in general, yes, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything can get taken too far. <clears throat> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. As humans, I think we're we're wired to take things too far <laughs> in this day. And age. Boundary knots. <laughs> yeah, boundary knots. A lot of us are boundary knots. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, man. So, but uh, yeah, so the three. That's pretty good. I kind of like those. Yeah, I'm going to get a big poster thing, something made up in the gym. So again, I got something to just point to. Ask yourself those three questions. Yeah, man. You're doing something. You're here. here. I'd even say like show up is uh, like, you know, be mentally present too would be part of it. Like, yeah, you may be physically there, but... You know, if you're not mentally there and focused on what you're doing, I wouldn't say that you are. You're not being a good teammate. Te- yeah, you're not being a good and teammate. You're not being a good teammate, and, and, and you're not giving. Not 100%. giving 100. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's a lot. If you fall, if you fail at that first one. Yeah. Yep. Show up. Focus on what you're doing, and be a good teammate, and give the best. So. Yeah, it's been it's my my lesson for the kids there. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's another reason why martial arts is so good for kids. It's so good for kids. Yeah. Yep. Because a lot of these lessons are, you know, sports in general are so good for kids. And yeah, you got to get your kids in sports. You got to, you have to. Yeah, sports. So many life lessons are taught. Yeah. In sports. And more, more in my opinion, more those lessons are more prevalent in martial arts. Yep. I mean, I'm a little biased, but. Yeah, by and large, for sure. But uh, and that depends on the coach too, and the martial art. And... Yeah, I mean you can. It yeah, there's a lot of things. But I mean, the one constant again is the the parenting. Like the parents are the one constant in that. And so, like that book that I'm reading, the Parenting Champions one, written by the same guy who wrote the with winning in mind. 
um, man, I'd say that's like must read material for any parent out there. Cause it, it, it's not even just like competing, trying to raise a champion in like a sport. It, it's just cause your kids are going to have to compete in anything, whether they're, they're trying to become, you know, valedictorian or they want to get into a college or they want to get a certain, you know, whatever it is like life is competition. And that's why I like trying to tell kids it's not is doing them a disservice, not helping them. Cause you get out in the real world and all of a sudden you realize like, wait a minute, we don't all just get participation trophies. Yeah. Like, fuck, somebody actually wins. Somebody actually gets the job and then I don't, this is bullshit. And, uh, so yeah, man, like they need, um, you know, they need that fucking lesson and trying to take it away from them through all this participation trophy shit is not, not helping, doing, man. Not helping at all. Not helping it's at doing, all. It's doing a disservice. It's hurting yeah. kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the parents are, uh, like I said, whether it's sports or anything else your kid's trying to achieve, understanding how to work with them in a way so that they, because, dude, teaching kids good mental habits, like, I, I mean, that's probably like the number one job of a parent. I mean, if you teach your kid good mental habits, so many other things Take are going to fall in place. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you teach your kid how to like, you know, just good mental habits. And one of those good mental habits is like, how do I look at situations in a way that I grow from them? That I learn and I grow, not become frustrated and, and shrink and, and feel like I'm less of a person. And it, like, it's so, because our, our, our tendency, our default is not that. Like the default is to like beat yourself up and focus on what you did wrong. But and just avoid what makes you feel bad and just... Yes, and then you avoid it, and then you're not growing, and because you're th- those are the things that you need. But it's uh, I know I've, I've told this story to a couple people, maybe even mentioned it here, but it was just it's such a good example of of that with uh, you know Shiloh and her volleyball team a couple years ago. She had a teammate that you know was tall and looked the part, and she'd gone to these volleyball camps, and so everybody told her and everybody looked at her as like you're really good. And of course, you know, Shiloh doesn't do the stuff. And so in her mind, she's not, you know, at the beginning, she couldn't do anything. We had to work with her. Uh, She worked hard to get to where she could serve and hit the ball. And she got like really good. Like if you look at her progression from where she started to where she ended, like she made more progress than probably anyone else on the team. But in, in by the end of the season, like honestly, she wasn't that much worse than this other girl. But you could see the difference was, is like anytime this girl did something bad, it was like it never happened, mm-hmm. right? It was just, she, you could just see it on her face. It didn't bother her. It was like it didn't, that wasn't me. That was a mistake. And everyone's like, oh, it's okay. You got this next one. She's like, when she did something good, it was like, that's me. I do good things. And, and everyone's like reinforcing that. And then I'm watching, I'm like, you know, she wasn't that much better than Shiloh. But the difference is, is like every time Shiloh did something good, it was like, I kind of got lucky with that one. And if she did something bad, it was like, that's me. You know, I screw up. I miss these things. And I was, you could see just the, 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 the reaction. It was such a, an interesting thing. And then reading this book kind of, you know, highlighted this even more, but I remember trying to explain to her then like, like, dude, your reaction is what is the only difference. Like you and that girl are not very different on the court. The only difference is your guys' reaction to what happens and you know you walk away feeling bad and she walks away feeling good but you guys really had about the same fucking performance on the court so you know trying you have teaching kids how to 
you know, do that is, uh, is super important. Super important. I know I didn't. I, I struggle with that stuff all the time. Cause you made a comment earlier today. I almost called you on where you said, I'm not the smartest guy in the world or something like that. <laughs> and it's, dude, it's like, it's so indicative. If you, It's like, it's such a default for us to say negative things about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And whether it's just trying to be humble or, you know, wherever it's coming from, we think that it's coming from. It's not good, man. It is a bad habit to say things like that about yourself because then that's who you are. In defense, <laughs> in my defense, I said that it was kind of like the the Southern thing when you're about to say something bad about somebody, you say, yeah, bless yeah. his heart, and then yeah, you say, yeah, this yeah. guy's a retard. I, yeah, I and know. So I, I was know. talking shit about stupid people, so I put the caveat in. I recognize I'm not very bright. But there's right. a lot of stupid motherfuckers out there. No, no, I know, I know. There was a context for there was it. A context. But but still, I, I, know what though, you, I know what you're saying. You know, and okay. if if we watch it and it's uh, you know, if you pay attention to to it, it's and, and where'd that come from, right? Like we learn these habits as kids. Mm-hmm. This is what we were taught to do. And so, yeah, as a parent, if you can teach your kid better mental habits than what you were taught. Because that's what you should be doing. Yep. You shouldn't be giving your kid the same habits you got. No, no. You, you want your kids to be a better version, a yes. 2.0 version of yourself. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the goal, I think, for a lot of parents. And that's just not giving them things. Because that's how most parents look at it. Like, oh, I want to do better for my kid than I did myself. And so they look at that as like giving them shit. Like, oh, they got nicer stuff than I did. They're getting to you know, go to these camps and go travel and do this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but like you're not doing them any better from like their habits and their mental habits and how yeah, they... you're not going to be there being your kid from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed they're you know your day is full of decisions so you giving them the tools to make the proper decisions along the way is what you got to is what you got to give them yeah you know so yeah obviously you try to steer them and give them good opportunities but yeah the, the toolbox they need the proper toolbox to handle all the proper situations oh yeah man so anyways anyways what uh, I got another note on here. Hard left benefits of yoga. Cause I've been doing the yoga for BJJ. You still sticking to that? You guys? Yeah. Like, you like it? Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's good. Um, the but while I was doing it, I had this fucking epiphany. No, no. No, 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 no. This is why if you think about yoga from the four quadrants of tension standpoint, right? Like my little concept of like if you. You know, dynamic and isometric, and then you intersect that with compression versus leverage-based tension, and you come up with a quadrant where pretty much all movements and exercises and sports and things can fall into one of those four quadrants to define what type of tension is dominant within that activity. And so, uh, where would you define yoga? Where would you put yoga on that, on the isometric or dynamic side of things? It, it kind of falls in between, right? Because there's a lot, there's plenty of isometric holds. Where are you moving fast? Where are you moving just at like normal speed? So again, I would I would define the it's, cutoff it's, at super slow. If, I would say that you have four basic speeds. You have isometric, which is tension without movement. Mm-hmm. You have slow, where you're purposefully moving slower than you normally would. Then you have normal speed, where you're just moving the normal speed that you would. And then you have overspeed where you're trying to go faster, More really explode into things, right? Like those, those are the four general 
movement speeds. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say it's a good way to explain it. Yeah, so if you cut that in half, like where are we defining the I think the yoga, kind of, yoga falls into the other yes. two. The yes. first, the, the first, the two. slow speed and isometric. Yep. And so, and then if you were to look at it from a compression versus leverage based standpoint, again, it's kind of split in the middle. Again, but if you were to have to put it on one side or the other, again, uh, you know, compression is where the load is in close and symmetrical. And leverage is where the loading is out far away from you and asymmetrical. So a lot of poses in yoga are, you know, single leg. Mm -hmm. uh, you're getting into wide stances and using your body's leverage to create the tension. But you should be rooted. In, right, right, right. But it's a center. stability. Okay, it's a stability. so I would say I would again another way to define it is uh, leverage-based tension requires more stability. Compression-based tension just requires more oomph. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the oomph explains it. Yeah. Right? Yep. So yeah. you're right. You're absolutely right. You do need to stay rooted. But it's a leverage. It's a, it's a stability-type tension that you're working on, not a just <clears throat> like overcoming a compressive force-type okay. tension. So if you're going to categorize yoga in the four quadrants, you would put it in the slow-speed isometric leverage-based tension quadrant okay and then you look at what is the least what most training programs and everything else that you do what do you see the least amount of in these training programs that that that, that quadrant that yep, you're that going quadrant. to fall into yep we have a, the very most stuff that people do is going to be dynamic compressive maybe a little bit of lev leverage dynamic stuff you're not going to see a whole lot of isometric and slow speed stuff at all and you're definitely not going to see a whole lot of uh, slow speed isometric leverage based tension um, but again you get into sports like wrestling and I mean anytime really anytime you're having to like physically have contact with another human being there's going to be a leverage you know slow speed isometric leverage based component that is the the dominant tension type in those type of exchanges and so uh, or, or movements and stuff and so yoga is not mobility man like that's not what people are fucking getting from it they're getting isometric leverage-based tension in their program when they had none before. So, like, that's the magic, you know? Like, everyone's all like, oh, yoga, it's good for, you know, it's stretching, it's mobility. It's like, no, no, no. It's leverage-based isometric tension. That's what you're getting from it. And you understand, too, after you do isometrics, like, doing isometric squats has helped my squat mobility. Mm -hmm. So you understand that, like, no, isometrics are a form of mobility training. So like those those yoga poses where you are in these like, you know, isometric uh, poses, like, like kind of like end range positions, yes, creating some tension. Yeah, there. Uh -huh. and again, you look at like that functional range conditioning stuff. Yep. What's that? Get into an extreme motion and create, create tension, tension there, yeah. right? So it's all you start to see like once you use that four quadrants thing, man, it really changes how you look at stuff, and you start to see like, oh, that's why yoga is helping people. Mm -hmm. And so okay, well now if we know that that's what's helping people. The, the, you know, yoga is good, but the problem is, is yoga comes with its own baggage, yeah. right? You may have a mankini or something involved. And so, well, can we just make sure that you're getting the leverage based, you know, leverage isometric slow speed tension in your program? That's what you need, not yoga. You need that. Now, maybe yoga is how you get it, but that's what you need. You don't need yoga. And there's a difference there. There's a difference. There's a difference. And so that's why like not all yoga is necessarily created equal. 
right? Like some fucking hot yoga that's like more cardio and core based. Like that's not, you're not getting the same thing. That's just like a group training class under the name of yoga. Like, you know, doing these like a good yoga class where you're getting put in these extreme ranges and having to hold them for a time, you know, not necessarily like a long time. Some are longer than others, but even like yoga flows, like when they're flowing, they're like kind of slowed and controlled. Mm. You're connecting it to your breathing. So it's that blend, man. It's basically like grumpy guy. If you think about it, it's a fucking grumpy guy class. You got a blend of isometric training and mobility training. Yep. So it's just, that's all we're doing with grumpy guy, man, is the, the, the same shit. And so we're checking those same boxes. So anyways, I just, as I was doing it, I'm just like, dude, how is this not isometrics? It is. Like, why is it called but, mobility? And well, actually, uh, I hadn't looked into it. I just saw the kind of cursory thing. Steve Maxwell put out a new program. Yeah, Did I you saw. get that email? Yeah. And it looks like he's kind of, from what I saw, I just kind of clicked on it and looked at it. There, It's kind of talking about the same thing you're talking about. Yeah, he had a yoga and, one. He had like a yoga, you know, creating I, tension. Yeah, yeah isometric like yoga program. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, if you look at yoga, we've talked about this before too, that like what we call yoga is not yoga. Like, yoga has almost become like CrossFit. Like, what do you talk, what does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. You say, oh, I do CrossFit. And it's like, we got to talk a little bit more because I don't really know what the fuck that means. That's this catch-all term these days. So yoga is the same thing. It's like, mm, what does that mean? Like, original yoga had like, what was it, like eight poses yeah, or was less? Yeah, like the sun salutation or something, just like that flow they go through. Like No, they were just down. isometric holds. Was like warrior one, warrior two, warrior three. Like they, yeah, you, you might flow and like move from one to the other, but it's like it was the isometric holds. Like that's what yoga was. Was like these 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 poses. They were isometric poses, and then you know a lot of then people started adding in stuff and you know westernized it and stuff like that. But like yeah, when you look at like hardcore original yoga, it was leverage based isometric training. It was an isometric training program. Is what it was, mm-hmm. and why is, that's why it's called Warrior One and Warrior Two and Warrior Three. Like they weren't fucking doing this shit to like open up their fucking heart chakra. <laughs> like they were training to fucking fight. Like this was a training system to help harden the body for combat, and it used isometrics. So again, a warrior class using isometric training to prepare themselves for war. War. Yeah. You look at like, you know, the, the old Kung Fu tradition of like having a whole, you know, horse stance with like clay pots <laughs> yep. on your hands. What the fuck is that? Isometrics. Isometrics, man. Yeah. It was, I think Steve Maxwell told us like Spartan warriors used to, or, you know, at least the archers would like draw their bows and just hold. Mm-hmm. Fuck is that? Isometric training. So, yeah, it's important. So. I remember being punished in karate class as a kid and having to do horse stance holds. That was one of my instructor's punishments. <laughs> Didn't know I was doing isometric training at the time. Dude, he was making you stronger. He was. Yeah. Also making me behave at the same time. Nah, that's good. Yeah. It's, uh, it can be used for both. Making you stronger in multiple ways. That's right. In multiple ways. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's like I said, I just it was more a matter of a realization. Like, oh, we're miscategorizing yoga. Like, we're calling it mobility, but it's not. It improves your mobility, but it improves your mobility through isometrics, the tension created in those positions, not 
not like just the range stretching. Of motion, right? Yeah, it's not like relaxing, right? There's a difference between the type of mobility you're doing during a yoga session and what you'd be doing if you're just like stretching your hamstring, right. trying to relax into it for you know. So, um, so anyways, yeah, people. So do yoga, but just understand do what isometrics. it's doing for you. Yeah, fine. Do isometrics. That's what you need. That's uh, that's what you need. Isometrics. It is. Yeah, that fucking base of tension tension skills. Isometrics and meditation. And then go play yeah, a sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure that out. Go play a sport, man. <laughs> we'll figure that out. So, nice. Well, that was my benefits of yoga thing. That's good. Yeah. I don't know if you got any other... No, I don't have anything else. Oh, no, I did have another question. Okay. And I didn't realize this was a thing. I heard this, Joe Rogan talking about this the other day. This is a hard left sweat once again, but... Uh, he was, you know, talking about just cultural things and him, I forget who the guest was on his podcast, but they were talking about like, it was just a normal thing, a normal white person thing to not use a wash rag in the shower, just use a bar of soap. I just assumed most people in the world used a wash rag and I'm an old white guy. I didn't think that because he, well, they you sit down to pee too. You should probably take a look at everything that you do and assume that most people do the opposite. Well, they they, they were categorizing it as uh, I think Joe said or uh, his guest said that he's like, yeah, my he's like any of my black friends or Mexican friends they think I'm disgusting because I don't use a wash rag. I just use a bar of soap. You know, I just rub that all over my body. That's how I wash. And they were both like, oh yeah. I was like, what? That's, that's what I do. That's yeah. you don't you don't use a wash rag. Uh huh. Oh, okay. So maybe I was. I just assumed I always use. What for, is the fucking point of the wash rag? To scrub yourself. That's I. I think you get cleaner. I do. I've used a wash rag like my entire life. I mean, there's been times I take showers. Obviously, yeah. without like when I was a kid, staying at my grand grandparents' house up on the lake, yeah. they made us take you know, uh, bath in the lake. And my grandpa's like, right, no, yeah. they go jump in the lake. They sometimes just give you a bar of soap, or sometimes maybe even. Two, I remember taking a wash rag out there, but still to this day, like I use one of those like Asian style wash rags, those big like towel looking things, but it's a it's a wash rag. Yeah, I thought that that's what most people did, but they put it in the group that most white people just use a bar of soap, and other people of other cultures use wash rags. Well, this is news to me. I feel like uh, I tried both. And I just never saw the point of the wash rag. I just Serious? Like, what the fuck is the point of this thing? It just it takes more time. You know, you gotta. Okay, now I can start. It up. Rather just grab the bar of soap and done. <laughs> I mean, I'm halfway fucking done by the time someone's got their wash rag ready to go. That's okay. And I don't see myself getting any cleaner. <laughs> that's funny. I get that. That's really surprising to me. I just assumed like if I went and took a poll of yeah. all my friends, that 99 percent of them would say, "Oh no, I use a wash rag." Yeah, but I guess I was off. What I'll what I'll do is uh, I'll use one of those like Asian washcloths. That's what I'm talking things. about. Those big ass ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's the new age washcloth. But uh, what I'll do is I'll actually I'll <laughs> I'll do the soap on my body, and then I'll take the washcloth and I'll come in and do a Scrub. little like buff job on it, and then I can use it to <laughs> use like it to, to get my back. back. Yeah. But, uh, you know, sometimes, man, if it's not, like, after jujitsu or whatever, like, if I haven't, like, gotten all sweaty for a couple of days, like, I'll just fucking rub some soap on the main areas and go. Huh. So. That's it. I got to start taking a pull. 
I'm gonna start. I'm gonna ask a bunch of people. Sit down and pee. What you need to do is like correlate. You need to. You know, we need to have a correlation between like who sits down to pee and who uses the washer. So you think? So what? I want you to guess. Causation versus. If I if I ask this question out of many people at Jiu Jitsu today, what do you think more of the norm is gonna be? I'm gonna say that uh, man, Jiu Jitsu people are probably a little different. I would say that. Uh, I would say the norm's gonna be like just a bar of soap. You use the no, they use a washcloth to like probably like something somewhere to get to your back. Cause like for jujitsu, man, you gotta fucking wash your back. Right. Like you, you have to. You gotta get to that fucking spot, and you can't get to it with your hands. And it's like so you. Okay, so if they use that, but you you think they just use a washcloth for the back, not the rest of the body. I think that if given the choice, that they would probably just grab a bar of soap. And really? Go. Yeah. See, I, I disagree. I think if given the choice, I thought most people would use the fucking washcloth. Huh. I, don't I know this is random. But I don't it, know it, why. What is it? It's because it hasn't. It doesn't actually get you cleaner. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, if you think you about can it, scrub. No, no, no. Watch this. So, so this is, <laughs> no, you if can you think about this. So you take this washcloth and you put soap on it. Yep. And then you rub it all over your dirty body. Yep. And then you rinse it out and you hang it up, and then you come back the next day and you pull it off, and you think that like none of the funk. Of the stuff that like you rubbed off of your body is still on there. Like you rinse it out, and it's a hundred percent clean. No, it's not a hundred. Okay, so you you got but, the, but that bar of so soap collects shit too. No, it doesn't. How? It's the top layer. Like one, like once I go, like the next layer under it is clean because the soap is staying on my body. And so when I come in and I do that, when I put you, it down, clean the soap. The soap essence. has no funk because uh, I disagree. That soap is porous. So your funk is getting into the other layers of that soap. It's that's there's pores in that soap. So there's other layer. You scraping off the top layer of that soap has not got rid of all the gunk. I'm not sweating into it. <laughs> oh, bullshit. No. <laughs> bullshit. That soap is not. I will. I will guarantee you that if you went in and you did a lab test on a, a bar of soap versus a washcloth, and you were like the surface of this, the thing that's about to touch right. my skin, what is has more germs and dirty stuff on it? I guarantee you that washcloth is going to win. I disagree. I want to take a swab and put it under my microscope. Okay. All right. It's it's good, man. I like <laughs> when you get all in denial about shit. It's funny. <laughs> anyway, I thought this was a normal thing. And it's, it's fucking me up a little bit that it's maybe not normal. Huh. Huh. I, again, I don't know. I'm going to ask. I remember as a kid, you used a washcloth to wash your face in the sink. Like, that's what I remember, like, my the adults in my life like if they were like oh. doing like a face wash in the sink or something in the morning that they would take the man, I got it, man. <laughs> the way I view shit is totally different because like, if I wash my face most of the time I don't use a washcloth on my face it's just my hands but then the rest of my body is a washcloth <laughs> shit's all fucked up man. <laughs> oh my, my world's getting turned upside down here man I had no idea huh. the world is such a varied place it is such a varied place it's a rainbow you like you get a, view, a certain view rainbow of cleaning tradition. Yeah, the, the the way you do things, you just assume the rest of the world is doing the same shit, and then when you find out it doesn't, you're like, what? Like the record stops. Like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I stopped assuming that I knew what other people were doing a long time ago. Like, I know. Yeah, things like this happen, and I know I shouldn't assume I know what other people are doing, but... It's probably more of like you didn't realize you had the assumption until it was challenged. Right. So you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I had this assumption. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where I'm at. Like, oh, fuck. That's what I'm asking people today. Yeah, I'm good. asking a bunch of people. That's good. Definitely got to ask Nate. Yep. I'm curious I... to hear what Nate's response is. I don't know why, but like... 
What do you think his response is going to be? Dude, I don't know. He's, if I had to put money on it, I'm going to say washcloth. He strikes me as a washcloth kind of guy. <laughs> That's how I'm going to judge everybody. <laughs> Are you a washcloth or a bar of soap kind of guy? And then when someone says something I don't like, oh yeah, you're a bar of soap oh, kind yeah, of guy. You're one of those, you're one of those bar of soap you guys. just fucking lather right up, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think we go, should man. end it right there. That's a good spot to end it. New, right. way, new way to judge people. That's right. So. Are you a bar of soap guy or a washcloth guy? All right. All right. We'll go forward and find out. We'll come back next week with... My samples, my survey. They'll be waiting. I'm sure everybody will be on the edge of their seats waiting for next week's episode. Yep. Okay. All right. Cool. See you guys. See you. Thank you for listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. That's it for now, so get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week. Of the tools, shaped into face, fuck the rules, snooze you lose. One eye always open, it times two, no clue, but soon a brief monsoon might give you a view to choose. Stay tuned, include, won't conclude. Till the end is near, beware there's consequences, but what you do to me, demon, the devil of many levels, I keep on feeding for several of them rebels. Me, myself, he died. Die.